Returning for the Cubs Corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Great food, great service over there. Make sure to get to Coach's, especially on opening day. They'll have a great deal for the Cubs game when they play the Pirates on Thursday. Make sure to get there. But for now, got a great guest on this episode of the Cubs Corner. I bring back to the show Joey Ricotta. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Anthony, thanks for having me, man. appreciate it. It's good to be back. Absolutely, and also good to be back in terms of baseball. The Cubs get their season going soon. However, it seems like one player that both you and I think should be on the Major League roster will not be. The Cubs announced Nico Horner will instead start the season at the alternate site in South Bend instead of being in the Major Leagues, whether it's a issue of defense, I would think it's not because he was a Gold Glove finalist last year. Whether it's an issue of service time, he could stay down for 36 days and then come back and the Cubs gain an extra year on control. Um, we don't know the full answer, but what's your take on Nico Horner getting sent down? Uh, that's pretty much what I think. I think it's service time. Um, I mean, I know like he struggled last season and he was called up prematurely basically out of necessity because of injuries um the season before but you know he looked great this spring i mean he's really done everything he can to earn an everyday job in the spring i don't know what else you could ask for him i mean he gained muscle he put on muscle uh over the winter and you could tell he just he looks great he's hitting rockets all over the diamond i mean you mentioned it about his um, glove, and I mean that definitely can't be a reason because, like you said, Gold Glove finalist last year, and I mean he really is the best defensive second baseman that the Cubs have on the roster, or even have had at camp uh, this spring. Um, there's really no question about it in my opinion. So it really just comes down to his development at the plate, and uh, he hasn't shown anything that would suggest that he's not ready to at least. Uh, be awarded the spot or be given a chance to uh, run with that job. So, yeah, you know, they're going to they're gonna act like uh, he needs more development, which, I mean, he's probably just going to tear it up at the alt site and uh, be back here uh, very, very shortly uh, once, this, once the uh, service time clears or, uh, like you said, 36 days, um, be back at, up at the roster. But, I mean, when you, you're hitting his, the ball as hard as he is, uh, in the spring, I mean, you could tell the exit velocity is much better than it was last year. Uh, there's really no need to send him down. I, it, they're going to give it to Bodie, and David Ross said it's Bodie's turn. Bodie's played well in the spring, too. So, I mean, you know, it's not like it's a terrible situation for the Cubs um, having him start out at second base, but... Um, you know, it's a little frustrating when you see a guy like Nico Horner with his potential and uh, high contact guy like he is with uh, speed and great defense. It's frustrating being a fan of the team and not having your best players uh, go go to opening day, make the opening day roster and uh, play on opening day. Yeah, I mean, my big thing about it is, like, they keep saying – 
we want Nico to get more at bats. He's never been to Triple A, etc. But the minor league season is delayed. So I mean, if he really only stays down for thirty six days, he's still not going to get to be in Triple A. He's just going to hit against other Cubs minor league pitchers, and I don't see that helping him all that much. And it's not like he needs all that much of help. He's got an OPS over a thousand in spring training. I really thought, you know, if he struggled in spring training, they might be able to use what they did with Hap two seasons ago um, and send him down to actually work on stuff. But I was viewing his start in spring training as he's playing his way into the job. There's no way they can send him down, but they still did. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, that's exactly that's exactly it. I was saying the same thing, you know, two weeks ago. I said, how can they send this guy down with the way that he's playing? And, I mean, yeah, when you, when you mention it like that, um, the outside, he's not going to get the same type of at-bats that he would uh, with a normal AAA season uh, starting up. So with that being delayed, it really doesn't make sense. So it's, it's just a manipulation, in my opinion. That's, that's really the only thing that that I can imagine it being. I mean, you you can't say that you're that loyal to David Bodie being the starter when, you know, when he's started, when he's been given the opportunity. It's not like he's excelled to a level of greatness in the past. Um, so if it's like a matter of, well, which guy has produced better in the past, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say Bodie, but... I mean, Horner's one of your top prospects, and you actually expect him to take another step uh, in his development. And if he's shown so far, like he has, uh, that he's taking that step, um, I, I think it's just wrong of him not to be given the opportunity. And it, it just sends a bad message to him and, and all your younger prospects in the organization looking at this situation and the Chris Bryant situation from years ago. Uh, that you're just kind of using this as a tactic and regardless of what you say. Yeah, absolutely. Like I know it's in the rules that you can technically manipulate the service time like this, but I mean the biggest service time manipulation case of all time was Chris Bryant in 2015. They said he needed to work on his defense, came back 12 games later on the exact date of the service time, and then tore it up in one rookie of the year. It's pretty obvious he didn't need those eight games back in spring training, I mean, in in the minor leagues before he came up. So, you know the Cubs have a history of doing this. He filed a grievance against the team. So the MLBPA, everybody knows that the Cubs do this or did this, and here they are doing it again or at least seemingly like they're doing it again. I mean, as a Cubs fan, it's tough to see because, you know, like you said, you have this team that says that they're so loyal to their players and, you know, they really build the, the family atmosphere inside the clubhouse and everyone feels welcome. But then the people making the decisions do things like this. I don't know. It's just a tough pill to swallow for me. Yep. I'm right there with you, man. I mean, that could be your segue right into Anthony Rizzo if we're talking about loyalty. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go, right into it. Um, the Cubs seem to prioritize extending Anthony Rizzo in spring training. Rizzo said that his agent, his family, and the Cubs were having great conversation. He was optimistic that I would get done before opening day, and he kind of set that as a deadline because once April 1st rolls around and they're playing the Pirates, he wants to be completely focused on baseball, as this is his walk year if the extension doesn't get done. 
And news came today from um, David Kaplan and John Heyman, among other sources, that Anthony Rizzo's offer was an extreme low ball. Um, I believe one reporter called it embarrassing. We don't know the exact numbers, but they were just the two camps were very far off. And Rizzo, who means so much to the team, to the city, I, I like to call him the modern day Mr. Cub. And for you to, you know, disrespect him like that with such a low offer and potentially let him walk at the end of the season, it's just it's unacceptable. No, it's absolutely unacceptable. I mean, he's the heart and soul of the Cubs. Like you said, maybe the modern-day version of Mr. Cub. Um, You know, he's been through this with the Cubs, the grind of building a team back up from the bottom. I mean, he he played for some crappy Cubs teams. Um, You know, when he came over here, uh, when he first came to the Cubs in 2012, I mean, they played like crap until 2015, you know? So, and he's been in the, the runnings for MVP, um, he's a gold glover, uh, three-time all-star. I mean, the, the guy is, he's everything that you want out of a player as far as on the field and off the field. I mean, he plays uh, so many games a season. I'm trying to look it up right now and see how many games. He doesn't miss much time. Like, he just does not miss much time. He's got his back issues, you know, once in a while that kind of get going. But, you know, just takes a little bit of a breather and comes right back out. I mean, he's hit 25-plus home runs. And let me see. Every season from 2014 to 2019. And he hit 11 last year. So he was basically on pace to do it again. Um you know, when you're getting that kind of production and you're not going to show the kind of loyalty to somebody like him. I mean, I thought he would be the easiest out of all of the extensions to get done. Um, and now there's reports, like you said, about uh, low balling. And I saw something that might have suggested five years and 70 million. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of ridiculous. I don't I don't understand how hard it is to see that this guy needs to be a cub. Uh, basically until his wheels fall off, you know, um, because Cubs fans like you, like me, uh, everybody that's a Cubs fan, uh, they look at him like he is the Cubs. So when you have that and you lose that or you give him like a smack in the face type of offer, it's just it's embarrassing and it's a terrible look for your organization. And uh, it really just speaks to how the Ricketts have gone about this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Part of what makes it even more frustrating for me is the fact that Rizzo took a pay cut um, back in 2013 or 2014, I think it was, when he signed his original extension. It was a very team-friendly deal, and for the amount of money and you know the championship, everything that he's brought to the city, he shouldn't have to take another pay cut. And his camp came out and said that he'd be willing to do so um, I think that the the benchmark they were looking at was the the Paul Goldschmidt deal, and I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was five years and a little over a hundred million. Um, and the Rizzo camp, from what I'm reading, would have been fine with a little bit below that, considering Rizzo's almost 32 and, like you said, has those nagging back issues. Um, but for that to be, based on the number you said, almost 40, 50 million below that, like I mean. That's a joke of an offer if that's what it ended up being, in my opinion. And also, to, to your point, 
I agree. I thought he was going to be the easiest to extend. So if there's that much trouble getting him to sign on long-term and, and offering him what he's worth, there's no chance Javier Bryant stay a Cub. Yeah, I mean, you look at this situation and what makes you want to stay, and then you know that they're not going to be giving you what you deserve. You know, so, I mean, like, there's really there's really some concerns that I have and I think other people can have about Bryant and about Javi and how they're going to play this year. Um, I think those are very real. I, I do expect both guys to bounce back despite their poor springs. Um, but there are some concerns there. Um, the peripheral numbers with Javi Baez, you look at uh, stuff outside of just the box score, uh, it's it's not good and it hasn't been good for years, but he's played well um, even with those numbers not being good. So, um, you know, I think he can bounce back. He's obviously a terrific defender. Uh, Bryant, you know, is a solid defender, but we know he's been how consistent he's been when he's on the, the field as far as hitting goes outside of one season. And then last year was just a really weird year. But the one guy that just, he's just steady Eddie. He's just so consistent. And, you know, you just, you put him on the field and you just know what to expect. It's Anthony Rizzo. So if he's not going to get his money and this is the time to pay him, like you said, he had a pay cut before, which I think was nine years and 75 million, I believe somewhere around there. Um, you know, this time around, you can't even give him uh, what he deserves. This is, this is the time you pay him because he's led your team for so many years. I mean, he's been the, 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 the captain of the sh- this ship. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's it's disappointing. And I'm trying not to let my, my heart get in the way of my analysis, but it's hard not to when they both blend together. You know, it's kind of like this is just a no-brainer that just should happen. And, yeah, you can't expect those guys to get huge extensions when, when Rizzo's not going to get done. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the more I think about it, you know, the, the last few off-seasons they haven't spent because the budget, they were over, the luxury tax, blah, blah, blah. Now Theo left. Jed had to kind of force himself into a retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it. So they cut payroll this offseason. Um, and I took a look at the 40-man roster, and I don't have it right in front of me, but I think 30 or so are on one-year deals essentially this year. So after this year... Um, aside from like the the pre-arb players like Ian Happ and and some of the younger guys, and then the ones that you do have locked up like your Haywards, your Hendricks, um, your David Bodie, those guys will be around in Kimbrel for another year. But beyond that, pretty much everybody on the roster is on a one-year deal. Whether it's Rizzo on the last year of his contract, Bryant and Javi Baez in their arbitration. Um, or the guys that they signed this offseason, like a, a Jock Peterson, for example, those are all one-year deals. Um, so you you can't play the money, like we're, you can't play the I'm poor card now because they have plenty of financial flexibility right now. So, I mean, at this point, it just seems like the Cubs, like they spent so many years overvaluing their core, not trading them um, for things that probably would have ended up being a good move. Um, deciding to stick with these guys, believing in them. So why not reward them now? I just don't get it. It doesn't add up to me. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. And 
what it doesn't add up to you, it doesn't add up to me. I mean, you know, you hit the nail on the head with these contracts. And I think the main thing here, uh, the key thing for me is anyways, I think, you know, when we look at the luxury tax and we know that a lot of money's coming off the books, you know, yeah, that's, that's good. Like uh, our logic and everybody's logic would say, well, they have all this money to spend, but the way I look at it or the way that I at least am thinking about it is the Ricketts, their bottom dollar, that's what they're thinking about. So how much money did they make per season off of the Cubs? And the fact that they weren't able to make as much money off the Cubs last year, especially with the marquee deal and all the other uh, endeavors that they were starting and, and already on, had ongoing uh, last season and the year before and all that, uh, their bottom dollar wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And so, you know, when billionaires uh, expect to make a certain amount of money and they they uh, need their money, and I don't want to say it's greed, but it sounds pretty greedy to me, um, you can just pretty much throw the luxury tax penalties out the window because the luxury tax penalties basically mean nothing because all they're worried about is their bottom dollar uh, as far as profit goes and covering their own uh, behinds. So, um, and that actually makes it even more ridiculous when you think about it, because we're talking about billionaires here that are worried about saving, uh, what, you know, a few million dollars. So, um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it makes the Cubs in one of the largest media markets, uh, in baseball look like a joke. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you could put it any better than that. It, it really is frustrating um, and like you said, especially for a team worth so much and, you know, with fans being back in some capacity and, and the network in its second year um, should be getting some of that kickback. I, I just don't understand why I, I understand, like you said, um, it's all about the bottom dollar for them. But I don't understand where the the because, you know, for the most part, spending more usually results in more money being made for a franchise. Um, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's frustrating. So it does, yeah. It, well, see, here's the thing. So, I mean, they. I think because they spent so much money, and you know, being a COVID year, they didn't have the the fans in attendance and all that. Um, so they weren't able to recoup a lot of that, and then people weren't really paying for the marquee network, which they're expecting a bunch of people to have to pay for, and, or you know, that they were going to. Um, I think that plays a lot of it. Um, People not buying as much merch because obviously fans not being in attendance and, you know, why buy merch when you're not going to a game or, you know, you have no need to, you're not going to go somewhere to watch a game because people aren't going to bars and stuff much either. So um, that whole, that all kind of adds up. So it makes sense that their money wasn't being made as much or they weren't making as much money last year. But, you know, when you can, when you put it that way, like when you spend money, you should make money, especially when you're uh, MLB franchise, you should be able to make money and you, you invest it the right way into your players, which is what makes your team on the field, your product better. People want to invest more money in you uh, as far as fans go. So um, the fact that they're not willing to do that with somebody like Rizzo, that's just like asking to make less money in my opinion. Yeah, that's exactly my point. Like, um, take the network for example. Why would I, as a fan, want to tune into a team 
that isn't valuing my favorite players take it next season when all my favorite players are gone, what's going to make me want to watch? You know, you've got to spend the money. So I spend the money, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes it makes total sense. I mean, who wants to watch, you know, a million Matt Duffies? You know, we were, you know, 30 Matt Duffies, 25 Matt Duffies, 26 man roster, of course, Matt Duffies or, and uh, Austin Romines and, um, you know, whoever, name another starter, like Corey Abbott. I mean, we want to watch guys that we feel good about and we love watching and we're familiar with and we've become fans of. I mean, not backups or not guys that we have no idea what to expect from this team. I mean, core players like Anthony Rizzo, that makes your team um, and it makes fans become what they are, become fans. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why you need to lock up a guy like Anthony Rizzo or a Javi Baez long term. It seems like that won't happen before opening day. And we also won't have Nico Horner on the roster on opening day. But like you mentioned earlier, David Bodie is going to be given the second base starting job. He's been hitting well in spring training. He led the team in RBIs last season. So, you know, I think he earned this to to a degree. Um, I still personally would rather see Nico there, but um, Bodie's certainly capable of handling it for, you know, 36 days, if that's what it ends up being. Um, Ildemaro Vargas, who was rumored to be in that second base battle, um, has been waived, designated for assignment. Um, and then it looks like also on the roster for second base, like you mentioned, uh, Matt Duffy um, is going to be in the conversation. And then there, and then Eric Sogard, who got signed in spring training, basically a left-handed version of David Bodie. A uh, little less power, a little more contact, and he's got some position uh, versatility. So Bodie starting, Sogard backing him up, as well as uh, Matt Duffy. So not totally what we were all seeing, but David Ross has some options at second. Yeah, he's got options. Uh, and I'm fine with those guys being in backup roles. I, I, I have no issues with them. Like, you know, I was... I sounded like I was ragging on Matt Duffy. It wasn't, it's not him personally. I mean, he's got a career 282 batting average and 7.8 B war. So, I mean, he's not a terrible player. He's, he's, uh, he's serviceable in that way. He's been around a little bit, you know, playing with the Giants and playing with the Rays and, and stuff like that. Uh, he's got experience. I like that. Same with Sogard. You know, we saw him across the way, uh, playing with Milwaukee. He's a high contact guy. Um, hasn't been terrible with the Cubs in the spring. Um, you know, I don't have the stats in front of me exactly, but, um, you know, you can see why they, they wanted him because of his high contact skills. Um, but I just, you know, it is frustrating, you know, I mean, I know we go back to the Nico Horner thing and, uh, Vargas actually had a good spring too <laughs> and did better excuse me, did better than uh, Matt Duffy in some regards. So, um, you know, it seems like they would just want to go with the experience, and we'll see how it shakes out, at least for a little bit. Yeah, we certainly will. And then in the starting rotation, nobody that's really going to light up the radar gun, but from what, what Ross said, Kyle Hendricks will be getting the opening day nod, followed by Jake Arietta, Zach Davies, Trevor Williams, and then at the five, it'll be Adbert Alzali, 
Um, likely we'll see Alec Mills in a bit of a swing role who will start some games if need be. What's your take on the rotation? You know, I I was upset when they made the Divers trade. I'll just be blown about it. I was very upset when they made the trade but uh, because I thought they should have got a at least a top prospect or a better prospect for him because it wasn't like you were just trading a guy with a one-year deal away. Um, you know, it was like a, a rental contract, a rental player. Um, so I thought they should have gotten, you know, a better prospect. But, you know, the prospects, they, they sound promising. We'll see what happens with those guys. And I know we're not talking about them right now, but I'm coming around to the deal in itself because I – do think Zach Davies is a solid pitcher? Um, you know, is he you Darvish level? No, but um, you know, neither was Kyle Hendricks in some ways. You know, nobody has that type of power and movement and like uh, a zillion pitches uh, that you Darvish does. He's just very unique in that way, and the Cubs don't really have a guy like that in the rotation. But with Alzolay, excuse me. Uh, at the five spot, that does give you somebody that has that power uh, potential and movement potential like he does. Um, of course, Hendricks is terrific at the top. Um, you know, and he's going to be the horse. And I, I believe he led the National League in innings pitched last year, so that just shows you how much confidence David Ross has in him right off the bat just letting him go, something that Joe Madden really wasn't – uh, willing to do all that often until towards the end of his tenure with the Cubs. But um, he's earned that opening day job. With Davies, very similar pitcher, like Alec Mills, who just finds himself uh, just looking uh, just outside of the rotation right now. But, um, you know, uh, Trevor Williams has looked very good in the spring. Got a, a whip less than one, ERA of 1.32 in the spring. Um, there's some potential here. Arietta, he's been looking really good in the spring. I mean, we're not going to get the old Arietta, but um, if we get the Arietta that was pretty good right before he left the Cubs, um, still pretty decent. They just picked Darvish over him. If we get that Arietta, I think we're going to be solid here. Um, I'm coming around on this staff. Uh, one guy I, I thought was going to be uh, in the mix, or at least in the bullpen, I know we're not really there yet, was Shelby Miller. So um, I'm a little confused on that because he looked really good and was working on a new pitch this spring that looked really good. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think this the rotation is going to keep him in a lot of games. Yeah, I think so too, and that's really all you can ask for. You mentioned Miller. He had a good spring. Won't be in the opening day rotation. We don't know yet if he'll be in the bullpen. I think that's one of the late roster decisions they're still making. Um, but Ross did say he's sure that Miller will help the Cubs in some way this season. Um, but as you look at it, that starting rotation is five, six, seven, maybe even eight deep, all righties. Um, and then you look at the bullpen, and there's really not too many lefties there either. But how do you see the bullpen shaking out? Well, I think they do have some options with lefties. I mean, we'll have to see how good they'll actually be when it comes to the season. But so far in the spring, they've been pretty good uh, with you know Rex Brothers and Andrew Chafin. 
those two right there, I, I think, are pretty solid lefties. If Brothers is going to pitch the way that he's been pitching this spring, and I think Andrew Chafin's just locked into a role here, um, and I think he was a good acquisition. Um, but if those two stay in the bullpen, uh, or if Brothers can pitch the way, I mean, he's, you know, 33 years old, so it's, we're not talking about like a spring chicken here. Um, but, you know, he's definitely, it seems like he's kind of turned a corner somewhat this spring. Um, so if we have those two lefties, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, Brad Wick was supposed to be in the mix. Uh, I don't know though. I don't know. Did he, did he already get optioned? Yeah, I think he was in that Horner group that got optioned. Okay. Okay. That, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but with those two, I think, you know, as far as lefties go, they could be solid. We'll just have to see, uh, the rest of the bullpen bringing back Ryan Tapera, I think was big. I agree. Uh, he was really good for the Cubs last year. Um, I was still holding out hope for Jeremy Jeffress after he got let go by the Nationals. And I believe he's still a free agent. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he is. But, I, you know, maybe they can figure – we have no idea what's actually going on with him, though. That's the thing. It's something with the agent, and I, I don't know. It's very strange that he even got let go. So it could be something beyond baseball that maybe you don't want to pick him up. But – um you know, Jason Adam looked pretty solid. The bullpen's kind of underrated, actually. If you throw in Alec Mills out there, he could piggyback off of some starters and and throw multiple innings, eat up multiple innings for you, and be like a second starter in some games. Um, Dylan Maples has a very different delivery, and he made the roster obviously because he has no options. But uh, maybe, I mean, the potential with him is always crazy because of that awesome slider. So um, the the Brandon Workman pickup was, it could be pretty big. He always struggles with walks. So we could see some situations there with him, with the walk issues. But his stuff is great. Um, I don't know. You know, we talk about the monkey, the elephant in the room. With uh, Craig Kimbrell. I know I'm running through the whole bullpen here, but um, so sorry for going on a big rant. No, you're but, good. <laughs> uh, you know, Kimbrell, it's like, what what Kimbrell are we going to get? You know, are we going to get uh, the last portion of the season, Kimbrell, which was like, okay, Kimbrell's back and maybe he's better than he even was before he came to the Cubs. Um the, the year right before that, maybe he was—he was like he looked like he was better than that Kimbrel. Uh, or are we going to get like the Kimbrel that we've seen mostly with the Cubs and for the early portion of spring training? I don't know. So there, there's some questions in the bullpen, but overall as a whole, I think they're solid. Yeah, and and they always tend, even though if they don't look like it on opening day, by the end of the year, they always place pretty solid in terms of. National League rankings in the bullpen. Um, I think a vintage Craig Kimbrell and a vintage Pedro Strope would pay dividends for this bullpen. We don't necessarily know what we're going to get, but um, anything more than expected from those guys could go a long way for this bullpen, I think. Absolutely, yeah. It, I mean, it certainly would. Uh, Strope, I believe he was optioned too, right? 
Um, I think so, but that's another guy that Ross said he expects to be up on the roster at some point. Yeah, he, he got a late start to spring, too, because of the violating the COVID protocols. So I think he needs to um, get ramped up a little bit more, too. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him uh, pretty early on um, after the season starts, just shortly after. And, yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's still something there with Strope. He was dealing with some injuries, if I can if I recall, right before he left the Cubs. And then you know, the season after. So, you know, more comfortability here with the with Chicago, with, with Ross, and back with the boys. Same thing with Arietta. Uh You know, that can't hurt. That's got to count for something, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've got one more question for you, Joey. Do the Cubs win the NL Central in 2021? Oh, boy. Boy, this should not be a hard question, uh, but it is because there's so many layers to it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, are they talented enough to win the, the Central? Yeah, they are. They absolutely are. Because you look at the lineup itself, and if you bank on Horner coming up, uh, you know, very shortly, you, you talk about Strope coming up. Uh, Shelby Miller contributing in whatever aspect that is. Marisnik looks like a stud off the bench. You know, he could kill lefties maybe. He's got some speed for a big guy, good glove. Um, there's different layers to this. They have some, some pieces here. Um, and, of course, the, the core is still pretty much intact outside of Schwarber. But you add in Jock Peterson, who's hit eight bombs this spring. Um with like a 1500 OPS, basically, uh, you know, he could have a big season as a regular, finally getting a chance as a regular. So I I know it's a long way of saying, I think they could, and I think they will, if they get off to a hot start. Yeah. If they get off to a hot start, I think they win the, the NL central and, and pieces will not get traded. Like, uh, everybody thinks yeah I think so too I think they're definitely talented enough especially on paper Um, this division is the weakest in baseball so all you really have to do is be the strongest team in the weakest division they did that last year and they I think return a better team um, with the only exception being Darvish in my opinion Um, but like you said if they get off to a little bit of a rocky start um, and like I said like three-fourths of the 40-man roster is on a one-year deal. So those are all trade pieces, really. So if you get off to a bit of a rocky start, you could be seeing all sorts of different players play for the Cubs this season. Um, but if you get off to a hot start like they did last year, I don't see any reason why this team won't win the, win the division in 2021. Yeah, you know, it's like a, like almost a last hoorah, if you will. Um, if they get off to a hot start, they, they might just be like, Okay, go ahead, guys. Let's let's uh, see if we can do it this year. And you know, as we talked about the money thing, they do have money to spend. It's not like they don't have money to spend. Um, so, you know, if these guys get hot and say they make a deep push uh, into the playoffs, who's to say that they won't bring back two out of the three guys that we've talked about uh, at nauseum? It seems like to this point mm-hmm. with. Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez. Obviously, I don't blame Rizzo 
Now we're doing a full circle here, but I don't blame Rizzo for wanting to cut off the talks uh, at opening day to focus on baseball because that's just a consummate pro right there. Wants to focus his game, you know, and be a professional. Um, but nothing is stopping talks after the season. And, um, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, I I could definitely see two different situations here. It could definitely play out that way where they don't get off to a hot start. Maybe they're hovering around 500 and they're like, all right, we're going to trade Trevor Williams. We're going to trade Bryant. We're going to, you know, trade whoever we can on these one-year deals. Um, or, hey, let's just ride it out. Yeah, so I guess we'll see. Season starts in just a couple of days. Thank you all for listening to this edition of the Cubs Corner. That's just about all the time we have. As always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill and available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the Cubs HQ website. Thanks for coming on the show, Joey. Hey, man. Thank you. It's always fun. I love talking Cubs baseball with you. For Joey, I'm Anthony. Thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.